Hello, and welcome to Sutra Side Talk, episode 112. I'm your host, Kamran Shushtar, and with me is... James Seelig. Today is Sunday, August 15th, and James, how, how is your week going? Pretty good so far. I got my, uh, I don't know, this is like a weird thing to be like happy about, but I got my insurance cards. <laughs> I don't know, it feels like a minor like... Uh, life milestone that this is like my first actual personal insurance it's not like covered california or anything it's like provided by my work i don't know it feels like a little micro accomplishment i like it feels nice congratulations (laughs) thank you i'm an adult now (laughs) i have to fend for myself oh boy it's like yeah you see someone eating meat on the street and you have to like scare them off so you can eat that meat instead hey man you gotta eat somehow yeah exactly exactly Actually, uh, dude, I went to a Giants game uh, this yesterday, last night, last night, yes, last night, and I learned, uh, and it's not very socially distanced, it's not at all. It's it, oh, it oh, was no. uh, it honestly when I went there and sat down, I'm like, I feel like nothing ever happened. It was so that's weird. a little scary. I mean, at least it is outside, which is supposedly better, but like yeah, I mean, ha- basically. So- Half when there's so there. many people packed together yeah. like that that's like it's still a little bit scary it was like there was a good amount of masks like ever i would say it was like honestly half probably half the people were masked and that should be um, like a requirement and <laughs> uh otherwise like people would just take them off to eat and then put them back on dude how like, dope that's... would it be if they actually just handed out giants themed masks at the door You'd think, right? Uh, I didn't actually see any for sale or anything. They weren't even selling them. Uh, and like also, opportunity. it was Star Wars night or Star Wars day. I guess oh. technically night it was a night game. But I, we did miss the shirts, unfortunately. They were giving out like oh. Grogu shirts, Grogu giant <laughs> shirts. and Of course, that, that new hotness. Yeah, so we didn't get those shirts. And then I looked at them and I'm like, these aren't that good anyway. But, you know, it's okay. Uh <laughs> I got a new hat, which was nice. Uh, yeah. yeah, I realized the hat I got was actually too small. Only because my with my hair grown the way it has, it pops the hat off practically. Like, you'll see my hat gradually yeah. rise, and it sucks. So I'm like, this hat is no longer useful to me. So I had to go get a new uh, Giants hat, which was nice. So That's I'm always been super frustrating that. for me. Like, whenever I get a fitted hat, like, if, I, if my hair grows too, fa- like, long, it literally gets too tight and uncomfortable. Yeah, I did, I, did, I tried on so many different sizes because I wasn't sure what my size was anymore. And I was debating, I'm like, do I want the orange, the orange, uh, part, like the, the front of it to be orange or black? Because, of course, like the main portion of the hat is black, but uh, I ended up getting all black because I think they sold out of like the orange size that I wanted. But it's okay. And we lost, but that's also okay because <laughs> right now we're the best damn team in the entirety of the MLB. So uh, yeah, we're ahead of... I've been enjoying watching the season so far. Yeah, we're, we're way ahead of everyone. And it's very nice to see this. And, you know, we're ending the... We're nearing the end of the season. Like, it's about to be September. And September is usually, I believe, when playoffs... Like, it's like September is when the regular games end and the playoffs begin. Like, somewhere in there. And then October is when the World Series takes place. So... We're like right at that point. And James, honestly, if the Giants make it to the World Series, I didn't get to go in 2010. 
I didn't get to go in 2012. I didn't get to go in 2014 when we won all those, all three of those World Series Cups. I didn't get to go to the Super Bowl when the Niners made it multiple times, whether they won or lost. Well, actually, they all lost, but that's not the point. And uh, I didn't get to go to the All-Star game when it was in San Francisco. And I believe this, the 50th Super Bowl, even though the Niners weren't there, uh, was also in San Francisco as well. But I didn't get to go to any of those ever. This year, if the World Series, if the Giants are there, you're betting your ass I'm going to go to one of those games easily. I'm going to make it. I'm going to go. It's going to be a good time. You make a good point. I mean, I didn't get to go all those years ago when the Giants were in the World Series either. So now I can actually probably afford at least one ticket. (laughs) Hopefully. Hopefully. I don't know. Like, so that might be a kind of cool uh, thing to treat myself to if it happens. We'll see. Yeah. But, of course, this is Sutra Side Talk. This is our weekly show where we'll take now one or two topics of news and kind of, kind of go a little bit in depth on them. And then afterwards, uh, the main portion of the show is going to be uh, what we've been watching and what we've been playing. And we just kind of not, like, go off on that and stuff. And, of course, you can write into us at sutrasidetalk at gmail.com to send us feedback, comments, or questions. And we can read those questions on the show and answer them here. Uh, and of course, uh, this week, there's not really much news. And we got like one thing sort of that we'll talk about a little bit, Lord of the Rings related and Amazon related. But other than that, the big thing this week, James, I'm going to be talking about Fast 9 because I caught up. I did it. We achieved and fi- greatness. And I finally chipped away at Final Fantasy VII Remake. Got done with that. On to the Yuffie DLC. Oh, right. You still, oh, damn it. I was like, oh, yeah, you could play the other. Oh, wait, no, the DLC. Yeah. <laughs> That's very Destiny true. is like ending the season in a week and a half. And I'm just like, oh, God, I'm so God, glad God, you played play none of it. Now. You literally you, you skipped the entire season. Basically, it's, it's one of those things where like I would always mean to play it on the weekend. And I'm like, you know, I I really want to play that Final Fantasy seven, though. Yeah. Are you going to catch up like, during the next season? Hopefully, yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, everything is going to be, the last three seasons will still be available, but you'll also have the new season and it's like a six-month one, you know, because yeah. it's going to be held long. So, ironically, like, you can catch up with all of that. Meanwhile, I'll be done. I just have a couple things and I'll be like, yeah, I'm taking a giant break until Witch Queen if I can get yeah, all of the current seasonal enough. stuff done. Because I, I made it my business to keep up, so... When this new catch-up season comes, I can instead use it to my advantage and play other stuff. See, that's the thing. I feel like my my options were either play Destiny, and that's the only game I play in my free time, or I could try to get through some of the games that I've wanted to play for a while. And I guess I just chose the games I've wanted to play for a while. I will say, you know, I, I got a lot of Sea of Thieves time in. So, you know, Sea of Thieves has also been taking up my time as well. Yeah, I was able to do both. That's fair. Yeah, which... I still don't, I didn't think that was going to happen where I'm like, yeah, guys, I've been playing a lot of Sea of Thieves lately. And I'm like, that's actually, if you if you ask me, oh, what do you want to play with your friends right now? I'll be like, Sea of Thieves, don't be tired. <laughs> I mean, I should maybe at this point give it a try just because like, I literally only played, I think the open beta before it came out. And I was just like, this is boring. I'm out. I'm, yeah, I'm, no. I'll skip this one. On launch, it was very, very, very boring. Uh now there's a lot more to do and it is fun to rank up and do like all the different quests because the battles do get fun and the pirates of the caribbean dlc is great 
not necessarily because of the movies, but there's some stuff with that. But more so, there's stuff from the rides that if you actually remember the ride, if you have a really good memory of the ride, you get really, really just nostalgic and happy about it. and Because they do mm-hmm. such a good job with the design there. So, yeah. But with that said, ready to dive into our singular news piece? Sure. All right. So our one thing today is actually not even about the current season of the Amazon Lord of the Rings show. Instead, it's about the second season, which isn't necessarily good news. So uh, Amazon announced that uh, the second season of the Lord of the Rings show would not film in New Zealand, which, you know, the first season did. The movies did. The Hobbit trilogy did. Everything has always been in New Zealand. In fact, uh, the original Lord of the Rings trilogy is what made New Zealand such a very, like, became like a very big film location. Like the Kiwi Dude, film crews and stuff. I am so curious how much tourism has been brought in just from Middle Earth enthusiasts that wanted to go to New Zealand because they're like, it's Middle Earth. It has actually- to be so much at this point. Probably, like, I mean, if you ask me right now, like, the two places I want to go to more than anything is Japan and New Zealand. Japan, uh, more recently, but, like, in the last, I'd say, two years, I've really, really wanted to go to Japan. New Zealand, I've wanted to go to since those movies came out. And it's, like, the number one, like, if you asked me, oh, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would it be? And I, I would probably say New Zealand. New Zealand just looks like such a beautiful place. Yeah. So, I really want to check that out. But... Uh, they're shifting to film in the UK for season two. And you probably ask like, well, why would they do that? James, actually you texted me and you were giving me all these interesting explanations of like, oh, is it different like places that they're going to film for the, like, for the like actual like locations of Middle Earth and stuff like Mordor and whatnot? I assumed that they were like, oh, well we have, we're going to film in Mordor and New Zealand is like beautiful and Mordor isn't so let's go to some place that is more desolate looking like the UK <laughs> yeah and it was like and then I, I just went and no no it's actually surely for business and nothing else and the reason is like, really oh that yeah, makes sense <laughs> it's nothing story related they just did it because they want to save money probably in terms of even though it's Amazon you know money uh, <laughs> they want to save more money and their plan is to expand their production footprint by having just they already had a shit ton of shows filming in the uk for amazon now they're just seems like they're making that their universal filming location in general and okay uh you know they said a little quote there we want to thank the people and the government of new zealand for their hospitality and dedication and for providing the lord of the rings series with an incredible place to begin this epic journey and you can imagine like It'll be cool to see, yeah, the Scottish countryside or like whatever wilderness parts of the UK, but compare that to New Zealand. Yeah, that's and, the thing. Yeah. I f- is it going to be like really noticeable that the scenery changes from season one to season two? And if there's no story explanation for why, are you going to just be like, man, why is the Shire like? overcast all the time now yeah and i mean they're, they're probably not gonna have the shire in it but like eh. it's it's just sad i don't know it's it's sad because new zealand is just the place to go to like if i wanted to make 
Honestly, if I wanted to make a Lord of the Rings fan film or something, if there was a chance I could make my own Lord of the Rings production, even if money was an issue, there is probably a very strong chance to be like, could we just see if we can do this in New Zealand? I'd very much like to film this in New Zealand because yeah. like, it's just very important. And they're just doing it to save money. And, you know, of all the places to do that, it makes the least amount of sense because Amazon's Amazon. They're massive. and Yeah, I guess like, Jeff Bezos has to fund his next uh, space trip somehow. Exactly. Oh, my fucking God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, fucking, that, I forgot. I forgot about that. Thanks for reminding me. I appreciate it. But, like, uh, New Zealand, um, David Strong from the New Zealand Film Commission, or CEO of the New Zealand Film Commission, said... Uh, it's a shame, and I feel for everyone who has put their hearts into this production. Season 2 is was expected to begin later in 2022, so our role now is to work hard to keep the Kiwi screen sector employed. Uh, oh, yeah. That's yeah. a bunch of people in New Zealand are now losing their job, because they're not going to just like move to the UK. Not everyone. I mean, some people might, but probably not. No, they, they won't. They won't do it. Like The, the whole I mean, point... Quite the whole... Sh- that's quite a move. The whole point of filming in New Zealand too was you're utilizing the crews that are already based there, the ones that yeah. were that were initially taught when filming Lord of the Rings. That's true. They all learned some, on the spot. Some of those people might still be in the industry, and they would literally remember how that those movies were filmed. Yeah, and point. they probably taught down to like next generations of uh, film mm-hmm. crews in New Zealand and whatnot. And, you know, they're taking away from this, unfortunately, because they thought that this is the sad part. They all thought they were working on it, which means they abandoned all those crews and the crews found out about it 20 minutes before the decision was announced. So they didn't even know. Yeah, they they found out 20 minutes before and that was it. So that sucks. And it's like, yeah, congratulations, UK people get to work on it. But at the same time, if it was up to me, I wouldn't even let them uh go there it would just be still in new zealand as it should be but you know it's it's sad and it does dampen the mood for this show a bit unfortunately and i'm still looking forward to season one at least it still takes place in new zealand and i've been waiting for this for a long time but it then puts into question because it's like oh you know when you're making a lord of the rings show and i still don't know how to like I'm looking forward to it, but there's still a part of me that's cautious because, you know, it's like, will it even be near the same level as the film trilogy and stuff? Will it also, like, respect Tolkien's works and stuff? And you want to put a lot of love and care into it. And having it in New Zealand is one prime example of doing so. And if you're moving away to New Zealand, from New Zealand to the UK for probably money purposes then that tells me that you're not putting all you could into this show anymore. And it does lessen the belief and trust. And I guess hype is another word you could say into the future of this show. So that's just my two cents on it personally. Um, Anything else before we move on? Yeah. I mean, I kind of already touched on this, but I'm just, I mean, I was already going to watch the show anyway. It's one of, probably one of the few things that can get me to uh, come to Amazon to watch. Like, literally the only other things I've watched on Amazon so far are, like, The Boys and um, Invincible. I think I tried to give, like, a couple other things shots, but I just... Anyway, um, 
Oh no, now I'm losing my thought. <laughs> uh, what was so I'm just more curious now to see what like reviews are between season one and season two. Like if there's a noticeable drop in production quality between season one and season two that people notice and point out. Like that's what I'm curious about. Yes. Yeah. Just because like if if they're trying to save money on something as important as the setting, which like that's like Middle Earth is so important to the story and literally setting of the uh, the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit series. So if they're willing to try to skimp on that, like what else are they going to maybe cut corners on? And this is all supposition, but you know, it does make me a little bit worried and just curious yeah. to see how, how does the show progress from season one to season two? For sure. And I guess we'll, we'll find out. We'll get the first season next year and probably won't get season two for another two years or something. I don't know if they'd actually make it that fast or not, which if they did make it that fast, it's also somewhat troubling at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's kind of like how P- uh, Peter Jackson. Yeah. Uh, how Peter Jackson. Uh, that was filmed. in the same place, though. They just changed an entire location. So now they have to rebuild everything, and, like change true. everything else. So that's, yeah, that's not the same, I guess, because I was I was gonna say like Peter Jackson filmed all three movies at like the same time ish, so that's how they were ha- able to have like a one year turnaround between like all three of them. Yeah, but uh, well, e- between each one, but yeah, you do make a good point that if they're moving uh filming locations, they're literally gonna have to re- rebuild all their sets and everything. Like, and if they can turn uh, turn that around, and that's not a movie, that's a show. Yep. If, you, if you can turn that around in a very quick uh, time frame, that does make me, again, worried about production quality. Yep. We'll see when it happens. Yeah. All in due time. But all right, James, that's it for the news. A uh, very quick one there. Yeah. And uh, moving into what we've been watching and playing, and you've got your big old Final Fantasy talk. So I'll let yeah. you jump right into that. Good luck. So I didn't intend after i finished a super long rpg in in uh, persona 5 to immediately go into another rpg but i did that thing where i was like man i've been waiting to play final fantasy 7 remake for a long time and it literally just came out on ps5 i'll just start it and see if i like the me- mechanics and i just like okay i'm in i'm gonna just play this thing this is my next game and dude i absolutely love this game like it is literally like almost from the beginning i played uh, beginning of the game to the end of it i kept having the same thought of like this might be the best game i've played in a long time just in general because in it's it's very different from the original in many ways and so you're really not a fan of turn-based rpgs specifically and the original final fantasy 7 i mean it it was at the time where final fantasy was doing what they called the active time battle where it wasn't like necessarily you take a turn enemy takes a turn and then it's back to you it's it's like each character had an amount of time that they had so it was still kind of turn-based but it was more active uh or real time uh this game is almost entirely an action game like you could play it like an action game basically 
it still has a lot of RPG elements, but I am super surprised how they were able to modernize this game into a like a 2020 game. Uh, unless you want to count like when it came out on PS4, which I think was like maybe 2019. I honestly forget. Man, time is weird. But uh, it but it still has so much of the character of the originals or of the original game. Like one of the things that made Final Fantasy VII unique in the series, sort of. I mean, they had similar mechanics in other games, but uh, it's the materia system. So unlike other RPGs where your characters will have like specific abilities that only they can do, like generally you'll get a character that's supposed to be your healing magic character. And then you'll get another character that's generally like a black mage. And then, you know, another character that's maybe a monk who's like all physical attacks or a warrior who's like similar, but like uses different weapons. Uh Final Fantasy VII gave you a lot more leeway in how you can build your team and all your magic abilities and like stat boosts and stuff like that. Those were these magic orb things called materia. And you can slot these materia into any, depending on the weapon or equipment, into into each weapon and equipment that had like each one had a certain amount of materia slots and it basically made it so that you could make it so that, you know, your main like cloud could be your damage dealer and you leave and you just like give him a bunch of HP up uh, materia. And then like, I don't know, Aerith could be your healer and Tifa could be your, you know, magic damage dealer. Or you could do like completely opposite. You could make Aerith for some reason, if you wanted to your damage dealer and cloud could be your magic dealer. But so it's really cool that they were able to keep that for Final Fantasy VII Remake, but still make it feel like a more active action-y game, like in, in the moment when you're actually playing uh, fighting battles. Hmm. And so one thing that's a little bit weird, though, is that this is literally... I think my game clock when I finished was like 30 some odd hours. So it's not like the longest RPG, but this is literally about like maybe the first six hours of the original game. Like this is even like, you don't even get to the open world of the, of the mid. I honestly forget what they called the world. Cause I know the opening Midgar? city. Was, well, that's just the opening city. Oh, Um. oh man. Yeah. I honestly forget what they called the rest of the planet, but like, so it's just interesting that they were able to stretch out like just the intro to Final Fantasy VII into like a full-fledged RPG with like a long-ass story. And like they they fleshed out a bunch of little details into longer segments and added like an enti- like entirely new characters. Like uh, early in the game, there is a mo- like a motorcycle fight that's like very... I mean, dare I say, uh, um, Fast and Furious style, where you're like oh boy. fighting dudes with your sword on motorcycles, and then this like uh, this dude who's clearly supposed to be like a higher up in soldier shows up, and he is just like insane and super good at fighting with a motorcycle. I think his name is Roche, and he li- he literally was never in the original game. Like none of that was, but they they made this new character that I literally am just like. I love this guy. Like, I don't know. And somehow 
one of the most interesting things about it to me is that they were able to create like new 3D models for these characters that like the original game was blocky as shit. Oh, I know. Like, I remember seeing like so, the um, Oni-G like Final Fantasy yeah. stuff that, that so, kind of told me everything I needed to know. But what's interesting is that like you still have this like mental picture in your head of what these characters should look like. And they made these all the characters look exactly like I expect them to look like in my head. Like the the attention to detail in this game is so amazing, even to the point where like when you equip new weapons, like it changes what like what weapon those characters are actually holding in the game. And even like you can see what materia, like the colored materia that you slot into those equipment slots. Mm-hmm. Like it's so there's just so much attention to detail put into this game. And I don't want to get too spoilery because you, you've said you've wanted to get into it eventually. But one thing that I'm really curious about is like they by the end of the game, they start to change the potential trajectory of the entire series for Final Fantasy seven. And in ways where, like, I wonder if people who never played the original game, who don't have the nostalgia for that original game, and who never even played Crisis Core, uh, which was like a PSP game that was like a like a side story prequel, sort of, like, are people going to even understand what happened at the end of Final Fantasy VII? Because even me, who have played the original Final Fantasy VII and Crisis Core, although I, I skipped Dirge of Cerberus which was like another side game. It was on PS2. Uh, even I was like, wait, so what the fuck just happened? Uh, well, is it like, is it going to be so much so that if you did play, it, it's like they're actually changing how the game, like how the story goes. Yes. Okay. Potentially. Like I, I do know, like I have stuff spoiled for me, even from like the original where they're like, yeah, what's her face gets killed by Sephiroth or whatever yeah. or with the pink so hair. So the way shit. things are going, that might not happen. Like, okay. So from very early in the game, like literally from the moment you first meet Aerith, that's where shit starts getting weird for people who have already played the game. Uh, Cause she seems to be haunted by these weird, like, Dementor-looking spirits that are just, like, floating hoods or whatever. And I literally, from that moment, was like, I don't remember this happening before, ever. Are you sure like, those aren't the guys from Kingdom Hearts? <laughs> that would be actually super funny if they were doing a crossover. But essentially... I guess without getting too spoilery, because they do talk about this midway through the game, those seem to be like the agents of fate trying to keep things the the way that they were in the original game. Mm, Okay. And so there are times when they help you when you're like, it seems like you're about to get killed or whatever. And that's not what happened in the original game. They protect you. And you're like, what the fuck is happening? And then there are other times where they hinder you because like, this isn't what happened. You like cloud didn't go this way before. So they try to like prevent him from, uh, from doing something that didn't happen before. Oh, so are they also like an enemy that you fight to then? Yeah. And so okay. that's where shit gets really weird. Is like, you seem to literally like, at least for the first game, the main antagonist, I mean, Sephiroth shows up a few times. But, like, 
in again weird ways that like aren't gonna make sense for people who didn't play the original game and don't know the twists that happen later like and also there there's a lot of moments where like cloud keeps having these weird flashes of memories that don't make sense to anyone unless again you've played those other games and you know what he's kind of remembering so that's why i'm going to be really interested to see your take on this game if you don't decide to play the original one before playing nope. seven remake because like i'm just going i'm going to be going straight to the remake bro so I'm, when i eventually get it <laughs> so that's going to be a very interesting discussion because i'm i might have to explain some shit to you because there's also like a character that shows up towards the end who was in he was the main character of crisis core and if you don't know about what happened in crisis core and you don't know about like the twist with zach like later on in final fantasy 7 when he shows up at the end of the game you're gonna be like who the fuck is this guy and like why why is this game flashing to this guy all of a sudden like but at the same time the implications of what happened at the end of the game basically make it seem like they could kind of maybe do the same story of the original but like with subtle differences like or shit could be just like completely different i don't know like it's really interesting and so i like i guess bottom line i as a fan of the original game absolutely loved it i'm not one of those people that are going to be like but it's not a beat for beat exact remake. That's not what I wanted. I'm actually really intrigued by the direction that they have decided to go in. And I am actually like even more excited now to see where the series goes from now. So this is why you're so excited to play Intergrade. Yeah. And so I, I started playing Intergrade a little bit. I'm not that far in, but one thing that I am liking about Yuffie so far is that like, I keep thinking you're saying Luffy like One Piece and I get so confused. (laughs) So because she, I mean, I know I get like a side character that helps out, but like I haven't gotten to him yet. And from what I've been told by Daniel, like who he got to this DLC before I did, uh, you don't directly control that guy. So you're basically only controlling Yuffie directly in this DLC. And what's interesting is that they kind of successfully made her both good at ranged attacks and close range attacks and she can uh use her like ninjutsu to apply like any element to her like weapon Mm -hmm. so you can so she literally can uh let's exploit the weakness of any type of enemy like all on her own so they did a really good job of making her able to cover any type of situation that she might need to like fight in uh which makes sense for a dlc where she's literally the only character you play as Mm -hmm. as opposed to like the rest of the game where you have like a whole team and you can like balance who like if you keep a ranged character in your team or not stuff like that okay gotcha um so that's it for that highly recommend it even God, I, I want to say even for people who never played the original game because it's just such a good RPG on its own, but like, it's going to be confusing. <laughs> I, I'd i imagine like, because, all right, James, you, you've known this our entire lives. Uh, I've never played any Final Fantasy games ever. I've never been interested in Final Fantasy games. Yeah. And slowly, slowly but surely, uh, one of my friends, Paul, 
has been shout out to Dr. DJ Funk on Twitch. He you should go check him out. Uh, he has pestered me about mm-hmm. Final Fantasy for so long. Just like he's also the one that's pestered me about multiple animes, especially One Piece. He's the one that bothered me to get into WoW, in which I learned that that game makes me fall asleep, so I stopped <laughs> playing it. And he always he he would sometimes we'd be driving and he'd start playing like uh final fantasy music in his car and i'd be like wow it sounds so good what's it from and he'd be final fantasy and be like oh oh yeah no <laughs> it has amazing music oh that's another thing final fantasy 7 has like the the remake just it has all the songs that i remember from the original and just so well done it's so good nice yeah and i i was always apprehensive and i told you already and I'm not ready to talk about it yet because I'm still very, very, very much in the beginning of it, but I've started playing my very first Final Fantasy game, albeit probably one that no one would ever say to start with necessarily, but it's uh, Final Fantasy XIV, the MMO, uh, Realm Reborn. Yeah, that's a weird place to start, but I mean, I hear good things about it at least. Yeah, and I uh, apparently like the WoW community is flocking there. M- many people are flocking oh, yeah. there. It's like ridiculous. And I like you get to play for free the first 60 levels. So the vanilla game and the first expansion. And there's three other expansions. So when you buy like the fourth one, you'll get the second and third with I'm it actually as well. I'm really interested in that now. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm, I'm playing it on PC and I'm only like 15 levels in. I won't talk about any more than that just because I'm. I'll have like a full on, I'll say there'll be a full on talk about it once I get through the vanilla and I think the expansion, we'll see if I separate them or not, but uh, I'll either do like each each expansion standalone if I keep going through it so far, like um, this is all I'll say. The difference between Final Fantasy 14 and WoW for me is when I played World of Warcraft, I kept falling asleep whether I wanted to or not, no matter how much I slept beforehand, it could have been <laughs> in the middle of the day, I would fall asleep. I don't know why. It's the only game that ever made me do that. Final Fantasy XIV, I've so far been awake each time I've played. So there's that. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I do plan. So I do plan on playing seven. I was going to use the free PlayStation Plus PS4 version, but I've already been once again told, don't bother, just get the PS5 version. Just buy it instead. So I'm like, fine, I'll do that mm-hmm. eventually. But you know, I'm getting through on my backlog. So once I'm a little bit farther, I'll probably pick it up and try it and play that. So I don't plan on being like the way I, I want to do like a full on playthrough of like all the Resident Evil games, Castlevania, Mario, Zelda, Metroid. I don't want to do that with Final Fantasy. So yeah. I'm just going to be like 14, seven. And then after that, I'll consider maybe some others. But for now, I'm like, I'll just stick to 14 for now and I'll eventually get seven is my current mindset. That's the thing. It's, it's kind of hard, harder in my opinion to say, to uh, tell someone to go back and play the entire final fantasy series. Not because they're not good. It's just that like they're a lot longer than playing like a resident evil series would be. And there's a lot more of them too. And honestly, like the first couple final fantasies are just kind of like, okay, it's not till like three that it really starts to get really good. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I told you before, like, I did want to do Metroid, Super Mario Brothers, Final, yeah. uh, uh, Legend of Zelda, Resident Evil, and Castlevania, and I don't know if I'll play all of them. I just know at least, like, 
at least for the three Nintendo ones. I'll play whatever is available on the Switch, I think. That's yeah. kind of what I've decided ultimately. And then um, for the Metroid stuff, I mean, not Metroid, uh, Resident Evil. There's so many fucking games. Uh, Resident Evil, I'll try to do all of them. It just depends. And same thing with Castlevania. Though Castlevania might be a little bit harder because I know that's like on 85 different platforms. Yeah. So we'll see how it all goes. It's like, these are all like things I want to try to do once my current, literally, like once my current lists of backlogs are like completed. That's like, oh, cool, I did these. Now I could eventually do these, but not like rushed like I am with all the current games. It's more like uh, when I have time, I could like kind of go and do these other things I don't even have necessarily while the new games come out. It's like, oh, in between, what I want to do? Oh, I could I could just, until this next new game comes out, go and play this Metroid game I've never tried and finally give that a, a an attempt, if anything. It'll be like these five franchises and whatever's on like Game Pass or something, most likely. But yeah. Yeah. All right. Ready to uh, get into the fast times? Yeah. All right. So, guys. You know, since episode, I don't even know what episode it was at this point. It's, it's not too many episodes ago. It was let me let me double check real fast. In episode one hundred and nope, farther, farther. It's okay. Shit, one hundred and six. Episode one hundred and six. I talked about like I started basically my my delving into the Fast and Furious franchise. I had never seen any of the movies before. I was attempting to go through all of them and I was going to try to do one to two movies per episode. So I try to watch one or two of those movies in the week and make time to do that, which actually sometimes it proved more difficult because I thought I'd be able to do like two per week. That didn't happen for about like half of those weeks. But like 106, I talked about the first Fast and Furious movie. And 107, I talked about Too Fast, Too Furious and Tokyo Drift. And 108, I talked about Fast and Furious and uh fast five 109 i talked about fast and furious 6 110 i talked about uh, uh furious 7 and 111 i talked about last week's episode i talked about fate of the furious and hobbs and shaw so naturally i had two left one isn't necessarily a fast movie it's called better luck tomorrow it was actually like justin lynn's first uh film he directed and it does ironically have han in it and they've said that this is technically like han's origin movie if you ever want to go back and watch it and it's like from 2002 i think and it's the first thing i want to talk about here before we get into like the main thing of course but better luck tomorrow is about a bunch of kids in high school a bunch of asian kids in high school and it's like somewhere in southern california you can imagine like one of the suburban areas probably near like somewhere near like orange county or something like that it's some that some area nearby that like type of suburb i guess you could say but it's like beach town beach town uh spot and you have this one kid uh his name is i have to like double check it again uh i forget his name all right it was uh ben He's like this kid who's an overachiever or he's attempting to overachieve. Like he does this crazy thing where he'll actually go in front of his fish tank every night and try to recite words and their definitions and try to learn like new words every day and like figure out their definitions. He's like a high achieving kid. 
He is also attempting to be on like the basketball team. He works at a job as well on the side to just put stuff on his uh, uh, applications when he applies to college eventually. Because like the whole thing he's talking about, he's narrating the whole movie as you go. Like he, it's like you're hearing from his mind as the movie unfolds. And he talks about like, you know, uh, in this day and age, you can't just rely on your grades to get into a school, which is also one yeah. sad thing. But he has like a job. Have those at, extracurriculars. Yep. He's got like some sad mall job, you know, at like a, like some drink or food place. I forget what it's called. He uh, gets on the basketball team and later he <laughs> doesn't last long. And uh, he is also like in the de- not the debate team, the uh, like spelling team. Like it's one of those <clears throat> things where um, I believe they either spell out the full words or I think it is actually debate where they, they uh, define the word or something. It's like one of those academic teams that I forget completely what they're called. But uh, he goes through all that and he has like his best friend Virgil who is this really weird kid. And he, he's like one of those kids that feels like a wannabe gangster practically, but he's also really smart. And he seems like he has a lot of problems in the head, potentially. It's really hard to say. He's just that weird kid that you have around, but he's also kind of a fuck up at the same time. So people take shit out on him. And you have Han, who is Han. <laughs> he's, it's just Han from the Fast and Furious movies. Like, is it literally supposed to be him or is just like kind of a, you know, wink, wink is Han? Well, this is before he's in the Fast movies. This is, uh, I mean, this movie is made. So Justin Lin directed his, the first film he directed was Tokyo Drift of the franchise. So uh, he, same director though? Yeah. So Justin Lin, this was Justin Lin's first film, Better Luck Tomorrow. I think he did like another short, two other short films, but like, uh, if he might've done one full other length one, but this is like his main original film, I believe. And he did this. And then eventually he did Tokyo Drift and then like Fast 4, 5, and 6, and 9. I don't think he directed 7 and 8, but he like did all those except for like the first two, basically. And I think this was made around the time uh, of the Fast and Furious. So like this was made like the same time as the first movie. Interesting. And Han didn't appear until the third film. Yeah. So in the Fast and Furious. Yeah. So this, the, like, he was a character in this movie before he was in the Fast movies. So I'm trying to make sure that's like kept in mind of everything. And you know, it's a very different thing of what's going on in this versus there because you have like kind of three versions of Han. You have Han in this, where he is a high school student who is like a the badass kid who smokes a shit ton <laughs> and just has the cool car gets all the babes like it, there's actually a picture of him with like chicks at one point it, it's really funny but like he's that epitome of like cool kid practically and mm. he doesn't he has that i don't give a fuck face about anything and you have him in tokyo drift where it's his first appearance in the fast movies and he seems like this older more established guy who's teaching the protagonist in that movie about everything and teaching him how to drift just kind of being like a mentor character who eventually gets killed and you don't really think too much of it you're just like oh no han's dead and then you get the third version of him who is like the one that takes place in between better luck tomorrow and fast three where it's him with dom as part of the family 
and it takes place before Tokyo. And, like, it's supposed to be all the stuff he did before he went to Tokyo. And uh, that one, he's just, like, part of the crew. He works with Dom. He goes, like, under Dom's control in terms of, like, he follows him in, with everything. Whereas, like, in 3, he's his own leader in that sense. But you get a, a very interesting evolution of this character in like those three areas where it's like oh it's a dude who's literally just stuck in the current town he's in in high school and he's not really doing anything else like the whole thing with this is it's these three guys and then they get joined by um what's his face uh roger fan plays Derek lou who's like a tennis player who's also on the team and he is joining them as well and the four of them start like uh he first all right so this is the interesting part like Derek goes up to ben who's like the main character and he's like hey so i see you're on the basketball team but you're never playing and he's like yeah you know i'm just happy to at least be on the team and i worked my ass off to get here blah blah and he's like well you know it's it seems like you were just put on the team so they could have a token asian kid on the team so they could say they were more diverse and stuff and he's like what are you what are you talking about and he says like you know i just think that's what the case is and ben's like i'm not gonna talk more about this because like uh Derek I think works on the school newspaper as well it's like all these overachieving Asian kids are doing like 20 different things all trying to you know it's like they're all on the same track of oh you're supposed to do really well in school you're supposed to do all this stuff in these suburbs and then you get to the good school and stuff and you get the good job or something mm -hmm. and they're all just playing that very on rails track and Derek has that article and he gets it's put out so next thing you know, you have kids at the basketball game going, let Derek play, not fair for Asians, blah, blah, yeah. blah. <laughs> and he gets to play at like the very end. The coach just goes, oh, who gives a fuck anymore? You can go play. Uh, but Derek, like, uh, not Derek, uh, Ben quits the team afterwards. And Derek later approaches him and goes like, yo, screw the job you have. Screw the basketball team. Well, you should cheat for me. And you're going to help me make these cheat sheets and you'll get paid. And Derek's and Ben's like, okay, fine, fuck it, whatever. And he starts going down this road, and then soon, like, his friend Virgil wants in, and then Han kind of gets included in it. And they, throughout the film, you see them evolve. They go from cheat sheets for school to items to utilize to eventually drugs and all this oh, other damn. stuff. Yeah, they, they keep evolving in terms of, like, the business they have. They're, they're like, side hustle where they're making actually a lot of money. They keep, like, stepping up to get, like, a little bit more money. Yes, to the point where, like, uh, they get into a fights at one point at, like, a school party. And one of the white jocks, like, punches Derek. Be or, like, he gets into it with Derek because he's like, you're not even, why are you wearing that Letterman jacket? You're on the fucking tennis team or something. <laughs> and okay. uh, it was like that or the I'm pretty sure. And it was either that or the um the test team where they're like the mathletes or whatever. Uh, okay. And they get into a fight and like poor Ben tries to break him up. The dude just like looks at Ben, punches him for even putting his hand on his shoulder to be like, "Hey, stop." And Derek pulls out a gun and oh you're like, God. "Where did he get the gun?" And like it's so ridiculous because Virgil so, like I said, Virgil is, like, this weird troubled kid in the head who seems really weird. People take shit out on him because he always fucks up and stuff. Virgil's like, oh, dude, we get a chance now. So he goes while the... Derek is basically beating up that dude after he gets the... Um, he gets him with the gun. And he points at everyone else, being like, yo, stay back. 
Virgil proceeds to just run over and start p- kicking the dude while he's down, going like, come on, don't you want to do this? This is great. And it's oh my like, God. Uh, like, Ben gets a couple kicks in because he was very, very apprehensive. He's like, I don't know if I want to do this. And throughout this movie, it's like, it's just like a weird point. And then they start getting into further drugs and to the point where they're like, they're actually doing them. And Ben is like waking up. He wakes up with like a bloody nose because of all the cocaine. Right. And he's like, hey, guys, I don't want to do this anymore. I yeah. think I'm done. <laughs> and he stops and they all like agree. Like Derek's like, that's fine. And he's like, what? Really? And he's like, yeah, I was only doing this because of you really anyway. So I don't really care. Huh. And Virgil's like, oh, I, I, I'm taking over then. Fuck you guys. More money for me. And uh, they're like, well, here, we got you a present, though. Happy birthday. And it's a gun. And oh he's God. like, uh, thanks. How and old are these kids? High schoolers. They're Jesus. like 16, 17. And Virgil's <laughs> like, yeah, dude, we all got one. And he starts flipping his and everyone oh, just no. goes in opposite directions. And they're like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Like, he, the, the kid's troubled. And throughout this whole movie, like, it's just kind of like that. And then it, it's just, it ramps up. It keeps ramping up because it starts off very humorless, in a very humorful way. Like, a lot of shit's pretty funny. And it just gets, like, more and more serious. Yeah, because it's like uh, at one point Han goes into a liquor store to buy, uh, you know, booze for a party. And the guy is like, can I see some ID? Han gives him an ID. It's an ID with a black dude's face on it. Some old, like, middle-aged black guy. And it's Han, who is, you know, like, Asian. And the dude looks at the ID, looks at Han, and <laughs> looks at the alcohol. And he's like, really? And uh-huh. Han gives him extra money as a bribe. And he goes, oh, okay, fine. But it's just so funny how Han does not give a shit. Like, it's just, like, you never see that where you're like, oh, let me see some ID. And it's not even, it's not even attempting to have some dude who looks, like, remotely like you. At least you'd be like, oh, I shaved or I grew a beard. But it's, like, a completely different skin color where it's, like, not even the same race of person. And you're like, uh, sure, yeah, this checks out. That's all funny. (laughs) The unique storytelling style it has with the narration and like it's it's a very non-musical movie like there's not normally music playing in a lot of portions of it and then the the strange like typography that appears there when he starts doing the definitions of words it'll show it'll actually show on the screen the word and the full definition as if you got it out of a dictionary yeah so it's it's really cool to see that and you know throughout it too he is doing all this he also has a crush on a girl named stephanie vandergosh who's like this asian girl who was adopted by a white family but she's like the really cute girl that's a cheerleader and he wants to go out with this girl so badly and it's like all this stuff where it's like you know a high school dude with his crush who's a virgin and you'll love who she goes out with she goes out with a guy named steve cho who's played by john cho who you guys know is harold and harold and kumar and who will be uh Spike Spiegel in the new Cowboy Bebop show coming. Dude, so, I keep forgetting about that. And he's such perfect, uh, like, casting for Spike. Yeah. And what's funny in this is when you see his character, he's, like, got a trench coat and shit. He looks like this really cool guy with the cool ride. And you're like, so is this, like, a college guy that she's going out with? And it's like, <laughs> no, this is just another high schooler from a different school. And you're like, John Cho is also a high schooler? <laughs> what? <laughs> And 
it, it, it escalates. That checks out. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's crazy. And, like, to the point where at one point they go to Vegas for, like, a, one of their competitions, I think. And I believe they win there. or I'm pretty sure they win or they lose. Either way, like, uh, they get a hooker for Ben. And he loses his virginity. And he's just like, I can't believe I did it. This is, like, <laughs> crazy. It's amazing. And then it, it, it gets really weird. Like, it kind of gets dark immediately after. Because it's more like a... It starts where you feel good for Ben because he just, like, had a very big moment in his life, technically. Yeah. And right after, Derek's like, cool, I'm next. And you go, wait, what? And each one, like, they, they paid her, but basically they paid her for each of them to go in there. Uh... Except for Han. And, or at least if it was, it's either except for Han or Han was going to go last. I'm not too sure. At the same time, of all of them, Han doesn't really need that because Han, it seems like, can just kind of do whatever and he'll yeah. get a girl either way. But, uh... Derek goes, comes out, and then Virgil goes, and then you hear, like, a scream, and then you go, what? And she comes out, and she says, your friend's a fucked up kid, and stuff, and, like, bounces. Virgil's like, she wanted to play rough. He's in his underwear with his gun in his underwear, and they're like, what the fuck are you doing, what? dude? Yeah, he, like, he's super just fucked in the head where he, uh proceeds to point his gun at han because han was about to beat the shit out of him for it and he goes who's got the gun right now yeah that's right because usually han on because han him and han are cousins and han usually will beat him up for like doing something stupid like virgil took over their business and then like fucked it up royally so you see that like at one point han's like beating him up for a second there and like you see like virgil crying a bit and stuff like you could tell like he's a very um he's a very uh like it's two sides of the spectrum where it's either very very like attempting to prove himself or he'll break down very easily like when uh derek pulls out his gun on the other jock after they leave and they're in the car virgil's like i'm gonna i'm gonna be in so much trouble and he starts crying or like when han beats the shit out of him he's like crying because he knows he fucked up and in this one he's like you know you could tell he's like trying to prove something but also he's like just i don't know there's just something wrong with him and you can't really tell what it is but impulse control yeah by the end of it though like you could kind of see john cho's character is not the best for stephanie and ben's attempting to like win her over and also giving up on it at the same time like it kind of goes back and forth but john is like john cho's character is like oh i want to hire you guys to hit a place and rob it and they're like why would we do that we're we're tired we're not doing that stuff anymore and he goes like I know the place really well. It's my parents' place. And they go, why would they do that? Why would you, why would you want to do that? And he goes, yeah, what? we've been like, he's like, you know, we, he's the one that talks to Ben being like, you know, we're all going in the same fucking circle where we're all doing, we're supposed to get the good grades. We're supposed to do all the extracurricular stuff. We're supposed to then go to like college and stuff. And you know, it's, it's bullshit, man. Like it's all yeah. like predestined or like, what's the point? You don't, there's no, I don't feel anything. And he seems like he doesn't care about much either. And he's saying, like, I want to do it to my parents to help them. It's a wake-up call being like, you know, we're too comfortable going the motions or whatever. And it's super weird. So they're like, yo, I don't want to do this, but let's beat him up and teach him a lesson for trying to teach his parents a lesson. And that also doesn't really make much sense either. But they proceed to do it anyway and uh, uh okay <laughs> they have a meet up in like a they use a friend's garage and they meet up there 
because they're like, oh, yeah, he wants a gun for some reason. So they're like, yeah, we'll get you a gun. And he gets there and Ben waits outside. But the three of them go in there and start beating him up. And unfortunately, Virgil has his gun on him. The gun falls on the ground. So naturally, John Cho goes to reach for it because they're beating the shit out of him. Yeah. And they accidentally shoot him. And or no, they don't shoot him. I think they miss and they almost do. They Like they hear a gun go off and he has the gun. So Ben goes in there and he has like a golf club and he hits the gun out of John Cho's hand. But then something kind of breaks in him and he just starts beating John Cho's face in. Like he basically oh, like Jesus. beats him to death. And it's because like this whole time he's been seeing his character with Stephanie and how he cheated on Stephanie at one point. He sees him with her and he also is kind of patronizing to Ben where he's like, you know, I don't give a shit about all the inner, the formal stuff like you know, dances and stuff. So why don't you take my girlfriend to the prom or whatever? Uh, or like the winter formal. And he's like, you know, he's sending him there because one, he knows he likes her. Two, he knows he can, he doesn't consider him a threat of like, oh, you know, I'm going to mm. let this guy who probably has yeah. no balls take my girl out. Three, he's not treating her well. Four, he thinks everything's bullshit. And five, like, he just doesn't care about anything and it seems like he just takes advantage of people but also like just doesn't care so i think all of it just kind of hits ben too much because ben's like the one that at least pence up all his stuff even though like virgil is the one that seems very unstable ben at least holds it all in and finally it's the worst time for him to be at his breaking point so it just kind of goes off too much and then you're like oh no he's dead and then he's like no he's still barely alive so what do they do derek and virgil proceed to suffocate him to death and you're just like Jesus. oh my god so it gets super that fucking dark. dark it got really dark by the end of it and you're just like holy shit and later virgil can't take it so he tries to kill himself and shoot himself in the head and they take him to the hospital so i think he fucked up and missed oh, uh, so he's still alive and uh the four of them are in there and they also buried John Cho's body somewhere too. And, uh, Stephanie is also like, yo, screw this guy. I'm going to start going out with you, Ben also all at the same time. And cause like he didn't show up for the party and it's like, why didn't he show up? Oh, he's dead. But, uh, you know, he's been fucking up the whole time anyway. And it's crazy because Derek comes in and just goes like, do you think that Virgil's going to talk? when he wakes up and that's his only thought so han's like dude get him out of here before i kill him myself and they walk out and like this is like the end and it's like uh it's really good because like derek's just like you know whatever he's not gonna talk is he and ben doesn't even answer he just looks at him and goes why'd you write that article about me from the beginning that got him off the basketball team that made him quit the basketball team and it's an interesting question because it's like something where it's like, was Derek manipulating him the whole time? Because he was like, if you leave the basketball team, if I get you under my thumb, I could get you to do the cheat codes and all this stuff and use you as and take advantage of you to start this whole business. And it's like, it comes, it comes like all the way back to the beginning of it where um, you see Derek is just like this manipulative asshole and Ben just is like somewhat of a victim. Uh, but he's also like, he, he knows he's responsible for whatever he's done. So he's like in this, I don't give a shit mode. Whatever happens, happens. Uh, you know, 
we'll just have to do whatever. Like, it, I, I'm not going to try to avoid it anymore. If we get discovered, we get discovered. I'll take whatever punishment I get. And it actually ends with Stephanie picking him up and going like, we're just, we're going to go out now. Like, it's you and me. And he goes, okay. <laughs> and he's like, they could find out. I could get screwed off. But for now, I'm just going to enjoy and see. It's like ba- basically like, who knows? Maybe there's better luck tomorrow. It's like, it's really weird. It's such a, it's such a good movie. And sorry if I narrated it a little too much there, but like, uh, no, I definitely want to watch it now because like that sounds like insane. Yeah, it's one of those things where you know you're watch. I've been watching all these fast movies, all these massive blockbuster films, and it's like I forgot how good it is to watch like smaller films like this. It it just really feels. It, it's one of those things where this is like Justin Lin's first film, and you could feel there's a lot more put into this than there was in any of the fast movies. If that makes sense, like. A director's first film is usually something I always tell people, if someone likes a director, they should always watch their original film because that is usually their make or break film. That is the film where probably they have the lowest budget and they're going to put as much as they can into it because there's a chance that could be the last film, even though it's the first film they ever do, it could be the last film they ever do. So it's like kind of like their end all be all film where they put all their love into it on a low budget And that's usually the best quality because it doesn't really, the budget doesn't make the film. It's what you put into it that matters, even if it is low budget or something. And even something like this, that very, you could tell it's a small ass budgeted movie. It does so much good stuff in it. And it just feels so good uh, watching something just down to earth, grounded. And it's just about a story. And it's just about a bunch of Asian high schoolers that are just living their lives and having to deal with all their shit while being like Asian American kids. Like it's really good. And yeah, I it's on Paramount Plus. I found out that's where I've watched it, so I was happy that mm. I didn't have to finally rent something from Prime Video. It was nice, <laughs> but yeah, good time. And after that, James, I went to the theater and I saw Fast Nine, or I think the actual title is literally F Nine: The Fast Saga, which is such a weird title. So you are complete, then. I have completed the journey. James, I've completed the goddamn journey. It's done. It's finished. And I gotta say, goddamn that movie. <laughs> it, it, it goes hard. That movie goes fucking hard. And of course, guys, you should know by now, obviously, I've talked in depth about each Fast movie. So, yeah, the spoilers, of course, if you still haven't seen F9. But, yeah, so, dude, this movie is crazy. It, it's another, like, oh, yo, Dom and Letty, they're living with their kid in, like, a barn farm area. Uh, working on their cars and stuff and just being super mechanical as a family out in the middle of nowhere and then who comes to visit oh it's roman and tedge and uh ramsey and they're like yo mr nobody sent us video and it's them getting assaulted and uh they got attacked and their package was like cypher who's the villain from eight the one that kills like dom the mother of dom's kid and stuff lena and you're like, is she the villain in this movie? I'm not too sure. And they're like, we have to go to the crash site and see what he wanted us to find. And I will say, like, the, you know, guys know Mr. Nobody is played by freaking Kurt Russell. And in this one, you don't see him really. Like, he's in some flashbacks, but you also, like, it's, he's presumed dead. But at the same time, it's a fast movie, so you don't actually know if he's actually dead. So... 
I don't know if he's dead or he might be in like fast 10. I'm not too sure. It's hard to say because, you know, it's one of those off screen deaths, if that makes sense. And they get into a very strange thing where they introduce flashbacks into this movie. And I don't mean like flashbacks of the other movies. I mean, like they flashback to before the first movie to where Dom is a kid. His dad is played by J.D. Pardo from uh, Mayans the Mayans TV show and it's like him in the racetrack it's like those uh like low-income racing tracks and like the, the drivers don't have much under their name they're doing this for a living but you know they can't afford too much and you also see Dom's kid I mean Dom, not Dom's kid Dom's brother who's played by you see him later in the movie John Cena as uh what's his name um Jacob Toretto and you're like, wait, so Vincent D- Vince Diesel, Vince Diesel, Vin Diesel. Yeah. And John Cena are brothers in this movie, like actual blood brothers. And you, you get like all this flashback stuff with them where you see all the stuff from the first movie get explained where like in, in the first movie, they're like, when Brian goes undercover, he has to take down Dom. And they're like, yeah, he killed a guy and went to jail for it. He, like, beat him to death with a wrench. And you're like, why would he do that? And, like, later on, Dom's like, yeah, he killed my dad. Like, he's the reason my father died and stuff. And you see why and you see what happens. And, James, you remember um, True Blood? Yeah. Remember the character Hoyt? Uh... He was, like, the the dude that loved Jessica. He was, like, the human oh, with, yeah. the, with the mom that he was the racist mom. Yeah. Or I guess racist against vampires. I don't really. But uh, yeah, so he's like the antagonist driver who races their dad and see- seemingly kills their dad on the track. Like their dad's car gets boxed in and tries to do something. And like his- basically his car hits uh, their father's car and it like hits the wall and blows up and literally like impl- it just explodes. And they're like, oh, Damn. shit, dad's dead. And, you know, he goes later on to like, to the wreckage and they're like what are you doing here and he's like i'm paying my respects for your father i didn't want him to die or anything and he's like you know we're all in the same we're all going in circles we're going to nothing because we're stuck here no matter what because we can't even afford anything else and this is our lives and uh he uh you see jacob first like approach him and be like yo get the fuck out and gets a wrench and you're like oh shit does jacob kill him and like does Dom cover it up and that's why he goes to prison? He didn't actually kill someone. And then you see Dom come out and like, uh, and it's crazy. Young Dom and Jacob are like played by these other actors. I have to look up their names, but it's like full on. Like it's weird seeing them. Cause it's, it's just, it just looks fucking insane. Um, Do they think it was, at least look kind of like young versions of those actors. Yes. Okay. It was like Vinnie Bennett plays young Dom and uh, Finn Cole plays young Jacob. And so, like, young Dom makes young Jacob go away, and he talks to him, and he's like, Yo, you should leave. Um, and he's like, are you threatening me? And he's like, leaving, telling someone to leave isn't threatening them. And, you know, they talk for a bit, and he's like, yo, I didn't, uh, he says some shit where, like, about his dad dying and stuff, and he's like, you know, your dad kicked the bucket, blah, blah. So, he basically kind of uh, pisses off Dom too much, because Dom's like, he still thinks he's the reason his father died. So, Dom takes the ranch and then kills him with it and goes to prison and you see like that's what happened because like interesting 
You knew, I mean, you kind of knew because it was like, yeah, I killed the guy that basically killed my father. And he, the guy kept talking and like basically finally broke, he he emotionally compromised him to where he then beat him to death. And he gets back, he is in the the prison and he actually meets the two, the the two Latin dudes in each movie that are always arguing in (laughs) Spanish are there. And he learns from them, like, oh, the, yeah, if you, you, they're talking about how you, you manage a car and, like, ma- manuf- like uh, being a mechanic for it. And he's like, yeah, if you do this, the car will blow up. Like, I mean, it, it'll basically what? fuck up the car. <laughs> That's and they're, like, talking, they're I forget what. They're, like, basically talking about that, and he flashes back, because he works with them a lot in the prison. Like, you're, you're just seeing the specific scene, because this is the one that, like, activates yeah, that where memory. Yeah, where it, like, clicks that, like, maybe my dad was murdered or whatever. Yeah, and he sees, and he remembers, he flashes back, and the one that was working on the car was his brother, Jacob, mm. his little brother. And he goes, oh, my God, Jacob killed my dad on purpose. And he comes back to like his home and you see like Jacob's there and he's like the they're doing like the Fast and Furious street racing but it's like early times you know it's like there's no cell phones nothing this is like before all that shit and you get to see the, the you get to see the crew but the young crew so Jacob's like the king of the streets Dom's out of prison who does he see he sees young Letty young Mia Young Vince and okay. young Jesse, so like all of the fa- the Fast and Furious one crew, except for Leon. Did but he they're like all walk there. out of prison and into a new family? No, they were always friends. Like it's oh, the whole thing. Okay. They've been friends. Like uh, him and Vince were friends since like they were six or third grade. It was like either six or eight years old. They've been best friends. Hmm. And then like uh, Mia's, you know, their sister. And you go, oh right, shit, right, I forgot. Right. That means Mia and uh, Jacob are siblings too. And that kind of like clicks in your head, and then you're like, oh my god. John Cena is part of this trio of kids. And, uh, you know, Letty was also there as well. And Leon, the guy, not Leon, um, Jesse, the dude that gets like shot in the first movie and killed. And uh, he gets there and he's like, I'll race you. And he's like, Tom, you're back. And he's like, yeah. And he's <laughs> like, I know it was you. I know you killed dad. And he's like, anything you have to say? And he's like, no. And he goes, okay, then we're going to race. And if I win, you, uh, if you win, you get to come home. If I win, when we this race finishes, you don't stop driving. You keep going and you leave and you never come back. And uh, of course, okay. Dom wins and Jacob's like, ah, and he like leaves and shit. And you're just like, oh, so that was it. Okay. And you never know why he did it. Why he like killed their dad. And also that Dom killed the other guy for nothing. So and he definitely did do it though. Yes, he, he messed with the car. And, like, this whole movie unfolds where you have all the different characters doing their shit. And I don't want to, like, narrate the whole damn thing at all. But, like, you know, each character does their stuff. Where um, Roman and Ted, Roman gets into a very, uh, they the, the movie becomes very self-aware. Where Roman is, like, guy, like, there, there's a point where all these, this other country's military goes after them. And Roman gets left behind. Like, he doesn't get in the car like everyone else does. He gets chased around on foot. And they all corner him. And like a dozen guys or like 14 dudes or something insane all start shooting at him. And he's able to kill all of them with just an AK. Just like surrounded. Like he's on the bottom floor somewhere and these dudes are on different floors and they're all shooting at him. And Roman just kills all of them. And Roman's like, oh my God, I'm alive. And he looks and there's like (laughs) bullet holes in his like jacket and stuff. I guess he's wearing like a vest, but he's like alive. Like he's not even scratched. (sighs) 
And he goes, guys, I have like a very strange theory. Like, did you ever notice, you know, we, we've gone through, there's been a plane, a helicopter, a tank. I don't even want to talk about the goddamn submarine. Mm-hmm. But like, we've gone up against all this stuff. And how is it each time we come out with not a scratch on us? It's like something's keeping us alive, but I don't know what. And they're being like, you know, it's it's plot armor. It's, you know, they're the main characters of the movie. They're not going to die. And they're basically yeah. being very um, self-aware, like breaking that fourth wall of like, why why aren't we dying ever? Like, how come we're still alive each time we do this stuff? It doesn't make any sense. And it's just funny that they're actually like doing that like wall breaking shit. You Like, you don't expect that to happen, but it's... um. It doesn't stop there. Like, what's the ha- what's the big thing that happens this time? Have you ever sent us? Sc- have you sent a car into space before, James? Uh, no, because I'm not Elon Musk. Yeah, so they send a car into space, and uh, the way it works is they bring like the Tokyo Drift crew, like the main dudes from Tokyo Drift, are brought into it because they're doing rocket testing, and they put like a rocket pack on a car. And they're, like, doing it to see how fast it'll go on, like, a, a track or whatever. And it works, but then the car, like, blows up because the rocket. And uh, they have to get into a satellite because there's, like, a crazy, um, a crazy like, futuristic tech that was made that wasn't supposed to be made. And it's too powerful. I forget. Like, it's something that can control the world, basically. It's, like, look out. It's the orb that can control the world. So it's like split in half and stuff okay. and put into different locations and shit. And there's like a code for it that turns out to be a human. And uh, they need the girl to touch the orb for it to work because she's the key. And uh, so weird. It connects to a satellite. And if it connects to the satellite, it'll take over everything. And so their job, Roman and Tej, have to ride the car into space and destroy the satellite or stop the satellite somehow. So... They use, like, uh, a really crazy aircraft with the car on top to get, you know, up into the atmosphere. Once there, they launch the car off. And it's funny because, you know, they launch the car off. The car is just kind of falling for a second. And then they hit the boosters and it flies into space. And they're wearing, like, fucking weird old-ass outfits of, like, it looks like submarine, like, uh, almost like underwater sea outfits that are, like... They just look like basically the most ghetto fucking astronauts you've ever seen in your entire life. And... (sighs) It's ridiculous, too, because, like, uh, Roman's like, man, two boys from the ghetto in space. Could you believe it? And it's just so stupid. And once they start floating, all these candy bar wrappers start floating up. And Tej is just like, dude, how much candy did you eat in here? And he's like, I, I'm hungry. And it's so fucking, I love it because it's like, that's his signature thing. Ever since Too Fast, Too Furious, Roman's always just like, Yo, cuh, we hungry, though. And he just <laughs> keeps doing it. And he actually ate. Like, it's stupid how many candy wrappers are actually floating in this fucking car. But they end up realizing, like, yo, we can't. There's no, we're not going to make it in time uh, to, like, do what we need to do. So Roman's like, Ted, you have to trust me. Something's watching out for us. We somehow can't die. No matter what we do, we can't die. We're, we're like bulletproof. We're invincible. I don't know what to mean. I don't know why. I don't know what. But something in this world wants us to live. So we need to drive the car into the satellite. 
<laughs> and so they do and they come out clean like they actually oh destroy God. the satellite the car is still fine and like the space station is like you know the international space station they're like yeah is that is that a car <laughs> and they're, they're like you see roman and Tej get out of the car into space like hey <laughs> hey come get us that's so weird and the suits because like um these super like weird fucking suits they actually expand in space so they're like these floating bubble dudes that are just like come get us please and it's like a weird aspect there so you have those two you have uh there's an interesting point with ramsey because you know she's the tech person and so they for the first time have her drive a car and she goes like guys I, i hate to tell you but i've never I never got my license. I don't know how to drive a car. And they're like, wait, what? And then she's like, yeah, I don't, I, my strength is behind the computer. I don't do the driving. Like, everyone <laughs> knows this. But they use her anyways like, for a car chase. And she's basically like, it's a really big truck. So it's not, like, crashing into, like, it's not stopping. So she's able to basically, like, barrel through shit. But she's like, oh, mm. shit, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> like, a car's backing out. She's like, sorry, that was your fault. You weren't looking. And <laughs> it just keeps going through <laughs> shit. It's hilarious. But, of course, the main thing is Dom and Jacob and that, like, dynamic there where you learn, like, Jacob's, like, he gets captured at one point by Dom. Like, they're going, like, they're adversaries. Jacob's actually in charge of this organization that's trying to take over the world. And he's like, I'm done living in your shadow, Dom. Now you get to live in mine. And it's like, oh, shit, it got real. And uh, he reveals that their dad told him to cut the line on the car. That it, w- oh. it wasn't supposed to die, but he was he was supposed to throw the match. And mm. he needed a way to look like he wasn't like, you know, visibly just slowing down, and letting them win. Yeah. He had to still give it his all. And because he needed money, they were like, they were strapped for cash. So he's throwing the match to get more money for them to survive. And he wasn't proud of it, but it was something he had to do. And so he knew Dom's too proud to do that. So he went to Jacob to do it, his younger brother. And Jacob did it. Unfortunately, there was a malfunction when, you know, like the other car hits him. It caused the car to blow up. And that's the reason why. So the other guy, normally, if that happened, like, it wasn't supposed to do that. So it wasn't, like, the other driver's fault. And it wasn't really Jacob. Like, Jacob never knew that was going to happen. And Jacob felt horrible about it. And he's like, you know, the only good thing that ever happened from dad's death was it got me out of, it got me away from you. And Dom's like, you know, the only thing about good about dad's death is he didn't see what you became. And it's just like, oh, shit. And, uh... You, you get that and you understand that after like first Dom doesn't forgive him like he's still like fuck you you're a piece of shit and Jacob gets rescued after after he gets captured like the he's working with like this German dude who's like the son of an ambassador and they're trying to take things over they basically go and they get him out and they're about to kill like Dom and their guys but they have like this crazy uh magnet that like gets everything metal so they use that to get their guns and they escape but the guys are right on their trail and they don't have the guns because you know it's against the magnet so it's basically a fuck ton of guys running after them and it gets into some stupid superhero shit like it's the most ridiculous you're like is this a fast movie like aren't these human beings right they're human beings i'm pretty sure they're human (laughs) beings i mean obviously we just saw like you see dudes fucking drive into a, a fucking satellite and survive somehow but like and Dom doing like the Spider-Man with his car. So 
they go through, they're in like this underground bunker tunnel and they go through and they like lock the panel and Dom stays there and Letty's like, what are you doing? And he's like, you know, tell my son I love him. And they're like, what do you mean? And he like closes it and he goes back there and starts fighting all these dudes. And it's like a bunker thing. It's like, they're on a platform below. It's like a bottomless pit with like water underneath all the way by down there. He starts like fighting all these guys, throwing them off, hitting them against the rails and like more keep coming to the point where literally there's like a dozen, if not like 20 guys there. And they're all like beating up Dom, like all around him, like beating the shit out of them. And one dude's like trying to climb up and open the, the door. Dom somehow overpowers all of them, runs over and tries to stop the guy. But like, it's funny because like first he's like holding the rails to not let them pass him. And it's like, it's like 20 guys. It's like 14 to 20 guys or something. And he's able to take them all on. Just be like, you can't stop me. I'm family. And <laughs> he like, I get all those fucking memes now where all of a sudden you get the family memes. It makes so much sense where they're like, Dom, it's suicide, whatever. But he proceeds to pull these chains that then disconnect the platform. So then they all fall to their deaths. But Dom just like falls straight into the water and that's when he has all the flashbacks of everything and he gets like that that life-changing moment where he's like it wasn't my brother's fault and he's at the wrong place at the wrong time and you know i should forgive him and also he's like you should be careful how you pick your friends because he's like do you trust the guys you're with and jacob's like well no but you know it should be fine they've also been uh using like cypher as his like uh she's like cage but he uses her to like hack shit for him and you know charlie's there on the just like calls the German dude Yoda because he's got a puppet up. He's got a hand up his ass. He's just a puppet. And because uh, they're like, he, they're doing all these Star Wars references being like, I'm Luke Skywalker. And he's the German guy. And she's like, no, you're Yoda. And he's Weird. like, oh, because I'm the badass Jedi master. And he's like, no, because you're a puppet with a hand up your ass. And it's like, oh, no. <laughs> so she turns him and they like betray Jacob and try to kill him. And there's such like the you get a moment that's like Fast Five's moment where Fast five, the rock's like, I'll ride with you, Dominic Toretto. And you just feel all the feels and you're like, oh my God. Same thing happens here. Where when you see Jacob get betrayed and he gets hit off the car and he's like basically hanging on for dear life about to die. They're, they have an APC that uh, Han and Mia are in and Han's like driving it. And Mia gets out of there and is like, Jacob, take my hand and stuff. And she like saves him. And it's like, you know, brother and sister. And it's like that full family scene. And she looks at him and she goes, go, go. And because they have like a, they have a car attached to the APC because it's like part of the fucking, they're using all these magnet shits. So the, the car is literally attached to the APC. And Jacob gets in the car and there's like a point where him and Dom's faces meet. And Dom just goes like that nod of like family. <laughs> and you're, it's like that full like, oh my God, I can't believe it. And it's so fucking insane. Like they basically start fighting all this shit. There's like a plane that gets a truck thrown at it. I'm not going to go into full detail, but they go through all that. They also bring back Han who goes like, oh, there was a whole thing. I didn't actually die. Uh, I snuck out and they faked my death when, you know, Shaw tried to kill me. And I was actually recruited by Mr. Nobody before uh, you guys were. And I've been working to help, you know, stop them from getting this tech. And also the, the guys that made it, though, their daughter is the key. And I, they were killed. So I've been 
raising her and training her to survive and live on her own, like basically survive and not let these guys take her, but they still like, you know, capture her. And then when she puts her, I guess her DNA imprint, when it touches the orb thing, that's what activates it. And that's why she's the key. Uh, Cause her parents made it and they made her the key. I don't fucking understand. That's know. super weird. It's, fu- it's fast okay. and furious, bro. What do you expect? Yeah. And there's that's some metal gear shit. <laughs> yeah. So also Mr. Nobody, his like main agent was Jacob originally, and then he betrays him. But he's like, yeah, I used to. Why do you think like Mr. Nobody went to you in Fast Seven? Like it was because of me, because he knew that I had a brother and stuff. But I'm the reason you guys were even recruited, basically into like seven and eight and shit. So they go through mm. all of this insane shit. It's a fucking insane movie, and there's all this family. There's a lot of crazy stuff. There's love. It really hits it to the point where, dude, Cipher doesn't die. You think like. The German dude's in this crazy truck and they use the magnet to have it attack Charlize Theron, aka Cypher's plane, and they both blow up. And you go, oh, they're both dead. No, she was piloting it remotely and she's still alive. Uh, of course, because so she's a hacker. She is probably going to be the main villain of like Fast 10 and 11 or potentially one of the main villains of Fast 10 and 11 for the end of the saga. Right. yeah would you be interested in seeing her be the villain again for like a third movie yeah, yeah Charlize, honestly she does a good job she she's just All like right. she she's a very like kept cool character that seems like she could just manipulate everyone so it's like it's just fun and then um the post credit scene is really weird because it has shaw like it has jason statham in it again you go i thought he'd be in hobson shaw too but i guess they're putting him back in 10 and he's punching a bag and then he opens the bag and there's a guy inside of it. And he's like, do you do you, ha- do you want to talk to me now? And he goes, woo, 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 and he goes, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and like zips it back up. So he's basically beating the shit of a guy in a punching bag. And you hear a knock on the door. He opens the door and it's Han. And you're like, I don't know what the fuck is happening. And then it ends there. It's like a mid credit scene. And the whole thing there is like, you know, allegedly Shaw had killed Han. And now like, Han's at his doorstep and you're like what does that mean is Han gonna attack Shaw or were they working together the whole time what does this mean I need to know what this means and now I have to wait till fast 10 to find out what this means it's crazy very that's actually really interesting yeah and I just I can't I can't and I'm I'm sorry I I wanted to I should have taken notes to have a better like systematic like talk about this movie but it just turned into jibber jabber and I am sorry for that. It probably went on way too long about it. But yeah, that was Fast 9. It's very insane. It's not the best one, but I had a great time with it. For sure. Like, I'm glad I watched it in theaters before it left. Easily. And I'm glad sure. I finally caught up with all these fucking movies. I can't believe I did it, James. Yeah. I gotta say, honestly, this is a really fun fucking franchise. It doesn't take itself seriously. And they just have fun with it. And that's why I really like it. Because it's not trying to be superficial. It's not trying to be something it's not. They just go people like bangs and explosions and fast cars and family and vin diesel and it works out and it really does but with that said james i promised a ranking of these movies oh yeah so there's 10 altogether obviously if you count the hobson shaw spinoff so i have it from you know lowest to highest 10 to 1 and you know when i'm saying that i i actually love all these movies like i don't think there's one bad film here like they're all good some are ama- some are great, some are amazing, some are good, if that makes sense. So if the movie's at the bottom, it's not because it's bad, if that makes, you know, just making sure I have that said. But here we go, James. At number 10, 
uh, Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. It was a cool spinoff, but you know, wasn't the it didn't really hit me like the others. It it, it lacked the family, man. It lacked the family. I'm sorry. <laughs> Number nine, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Number eight, Too Fast, Too Furious. So like kind of the earlier ones, like they were great, but I I just like you know the 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 other ones got crazier. Number seven, The Fate of the Furious, which is the eighth one. Uh, number six, uh, Fast Nine, the newest one. Uh, number seven, number five, Fast and Furious Six. So that's the one with like Luke Evans as the the villain as the first Shaw brother. Number four, the original The Fast and Furious film. Number three, Fast and Furious, which is that fourth one. That was a very bare bones one, but for, something about it was just so much fun. I don't know. It, it's very. It was a very like very um what would you call it uh up close movie if that makes sense very uh personal personal yeah it's very personal uh number two i gotta hit number two man furious seven the one with jason statham that shit was too fucking insane i love that shit that was so that one was crazy but number one and this one honestly it just it bridges everything it's like it takes the realism from the first four and it has the start of the ridiculous shit from everything else. But it's like a per- it, the reason why it's the best one is because it's the perfect blend of them. It just has everything in there together. So it still feels like a serious film, but it's still kind of getting out of control. It, it just works. Everything about it just works, which is Fast Five, in my opinion, the best mm. Fast and Furious movie. Uh, yeah and that is my full rankings and roundup of all the fast movies and i think we're done talking about fast movies for quite some time until honestly until we get the first trailer probably to fast 10 you're gonna play that terrible game now i will not touch that game james i'm not gonna touch that that game game. i'm good like a dumpster fire yeah i'm not touching that no 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 no, thank you i'm good i'm good (laughs) But I honestly, I'm sorry, I went on way too long on those two movies, so that took up all our time. Oh my god, we're at an hour and a half. Dude, it's it's fast, but I got furious about it, okay? I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. We got we got plans anyway. It's all, it's all good. But uh, of course, that's been Sutra Side Talk. If you want to write into us, you can at sutrasidetalk at gmail.com and send us comments, questions. We'll read those questions on the show and answer them. And please uh, subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. If it's Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star review. And, of course, you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Talk. You could follow James on Twitter at InvitorJim124. And you could follow me on Twitter at GoGoComzilla. We will be uh, having some interesting episodes coming up next. Uh, we have, like, uh, regular episodes for the next two weeks after that, you're actually going to kind of get backlog style episodes, but they're going to be regular numbers. It's because I'll be in Georgia and Florida for two weeks, so we can't record like we normally would. So we'll have these episodes pre-recorded and ready to go. So you can just listen to us kind of get through the rest of our backlog and kind of potentially actually fully catch up. Maybe we'll see. But uh, yeah, we also... I think in the next few weeks or so, we'll probably get some Destiny talk in there and do like a season of the Splicer review and talk about the reveal that will be the Witch Queen on August 20th. So we'll have all that in probably, I want to say, this is 112. It'll probably be 114 that we'll do all of that, uh, most likely. And of course, check out Cut of Steel. We just put out our Suicide Squad episode on it, or The Suicide Squad, in which James and I are joined by the Brandons for that. 
And then uh, Sutra Sidewatch, we have the Terminator episode out, and we're having the Aliens episode come out next week. So check all that out as well. And also, Up To It, Down To It, this Friday, uh, check out the newest episode of Up To It, Down To It. We're going to talk about cons, like Comic-Con, stuff like that. So that'll be a fun episode as well. But until next time, catch you guys later. Thanks for listening.